Greetings and welcome to Broken Boxes Podcast. Long Con is a series of conversations between director Sterling Harjo and artist Chinupahanska Luger about life, art, film, history, and everything in between, informally shared from the lens of two contemporary Native American artists and friends actively participating in the record of the 21st century. All right, so are we going now? Or? Remember any of those questions? No, I remember the only one I remember is um, how to be. <laughs> how um, to be. So here we are. We're in beautiful Glorieta. Yep. Right? Is that what you call Glorieta, it? New Mexico. This is beautiful, man. Yeah, this is a mountain pass. Uh, has been for time and memorial. Um, our producer came back out. Yeah, producer looked at me through the window. I need, can I get a water? A water yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want ice? No. Okay. Wow. <laughs> need the mic there, right. huh? <laughs> That's, it was going crinkle, crinkle. <laughs> okay. Okay, keep going. I'll bring you water. <laughs> uh, the producer just came out and molested Chinupa. We're past consent. <laughs> I guess if you have children, you're past it. Uh, Just so you know, out there, uh, Ginger needed to adjust a mic, but said nothing. <laughs> Came in hot, yanked his legs apart. Why the mic was in his crotch, I don't know. It's another it day. It was the, uh, the receiver. It wasn't the whole oh, mic. Right. Do you want water? It was the transmitter. Right. Um, Do you want ice? I nope. Okay. I want just a glass of ice, please. <laughs> <laughs> I love water out of a jar. Why is I, that so pleasing? Because it's humble. It is. It feels old school. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I had a bunch of peaches in here and I ate them. And what do we do? <laughs> We're going to save the jar and drink water out of it. Yeah, or then it come, becomes peaches again. So uh oh, it must be a microphone I problem. Have to stay close because it oh, good. cuts off the thing. Yeah. So I'm just going to be here. You can grab this nice seat. I'm just going to stare at you. Well, yeah. well keep us on, in, on track, too. Okay. I, um, yeah, this is beautiful. Mountain pass. Yeah. So it's a mountain pass. This, uh, this region, Glorietta. Um, How did you find this? That's a good story. Actually. Uh, we, we were sitting on some cash from, from, from a bank robbery. Uh, I mean, <laughs> damn near, damn near. Uh, it was a, a, a white art institution uh, <laughs> robbery. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, let me see if my producer's okay with telling the story. Is that... We already talked about growing weed on this. Seriously. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. So, so producer said it's okay. All right. Because apparently I've already spoken mm. about it. Um, we grew a bunch of weed wow. once. Yeah, yeah. Outside. Just here for random, like by its, it was nothing, like you just no, found a plot of land and it, like. No, it wasn't here. We did it out in California. Oh. Um, at the early end of the uh, weed becoming legal, but mm-hmm. it was still a little little uh dangerous it was a little dangerous yeah um and so it was a, a high risk high reward kind of venture right and we were young enough and who and told you about that courageous Not, you don't have to say a name but i mean how did you find out a friend a friend of ginger's um uh a hippie obviously no oh no i mean maybe drug Not, dealer i wouldn't say i wouldn't say hippie. drug dealer um more on the drug dealer side than hippie? Actually, just more on the um, entrepreneurial side. Wow. Like keeping an oh, eye man. on things that they, they felt were was in the works, right. you know? 
And um, like weed's big, man. It's going to be. Yeah. Was it? They saw the. They saw the. Yeah. The thing, you know. They read and, the tea leaves. Yeah, yeah. And so they had done it a year before. Invited us out to trim. I was a terrible trimmer. Like I, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the like well, early tell, I mean. early weed games, where um, you would like get a whole bunch of people to come out and process uh, weed. Uh-huh. And I was so bad at it. Why? Well, well, one because I smoked the weed. Oh yeah. And um, when I when I smoke weed, and like later in my life, I used to smoke weed for like anxiety. Right. And it kind of turned on me. Gave um, you anxiety. Yeah. 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 That happened and, to me. And so what I do, I, I usually I through it. But... I, I like smoke alone, and I smoke in my studio when I work. So I have like this Pavlovian response to weed, where it's, it's like, like work's happening. Yeah, and I'm wow. and I'm hyper focused. Wow. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I'm not speed oriented i'm creative oriented so right. I'm, I'm doing topiary you know right. what i'm saying like i'm sculpting squirrels out of right. this uh flower and no wonder you're you're you have all these crazy costumes and shit right right you're just stoned well no here so <laughs> my like i'm pretty sure that like my 12 year old self is super proud of me right you know like no uh, i mean like that's what it's like i'm a jealous dad sometimes when i come here because like your practice of art by design can easily fit into your children's idea of fun for the day you know like, yeah but they don't even know it they because it's all they know but like mike i know but my kids are like dad you got a zoom today you got a zoom meeting you know <laughs> gonna edit like and they're just like dad's <laughs> in his office again you know like it's- i mean there is a fun side to it like the kids were Big feet? Is that plural? Bigfoots? Mm-hmm. They were little Bigfoots. And that well, was fun. And I apply my kids the same way. Like most right. of their engagement with my practice is actually falls under the presentation of film. But right. my younger boy, say, Tsaisha, he'll come down and work with me in the studio. He right. will come down sometimes too, but he was a little bit more like tech savvy and, and right. likes to do animations and right, right. and he's kind of plugged into that whole that whole aspect. But Seisha, he still likes to like right tussle and it's more in his body right um well how about that fatherhood and it's what is it for you for me yeah um because i mean i i think it's for me it's like a i love being a dad like it's such a part of my identity Mm -hmm. i had a kid i have a kid that's 22 right so i was 20 when i had her and i didn't actually have her someone else had her but i was part (laughs) of the equation and uh but for me, it made me focus and work. Yeah. And I grew up in a family where the family's close. The men are close to the kids. They, the fathers are present and very sensitive, I think, and loving, I should say. Yeah. And I could never imagine letting work take me away from my kids, which that's an excuse, I think, for bad fathers sometimes. But like... Having a kid at 20, it like locked me in. Like I was like, oh shit, I have to do stuff. And we lived in random crazy places and weird apartments and shit. And she got a good look at struggling artists, you know? Right. And then I have this situation where I have kids later and they are seven and five. And situation. Yeah. I feel like a better (laughs) father. Not better. I mean, I was good. It was just different. We were like friends. Yeah. And with them, I'm more of a father looking at my child, trying to impart knowledge where I needed someone to impart knowledge on me whenever I was raising 
my oldest daughter, you know, and we were just kind of figuring it out as we went along. Totally. Yeah. Totally. No, that makes sense. But I would say that there's the same, there's the same similarity. Like my, um, you know, anything oriented towards like career or like when you're young and you don't have kids, everything is, is, um, it's really surface. It's really desperate. And you know, the edge of how much you can allow yourself to suffer. Right. But when you have children, you're like, Oh, I can't let that, I can't do that same thing. Right. You know? And so for, for me, I, I was 33 when, when my oldest was right. born and, uh, that was I, for me, I definitely recognized like total paradigm shift, right. but also awareness of being responsible for something other than myself. Right. And I think then you start plugging in all of the, you know, learned experiences of what that, uh, what that means. Mm -hmm. And you know, definitely, it definitely upped my career game, you know? For sure. Well, I think Francis Coppola says something like that, where he's like, young, he's like, they were like advice for young filmmakers type question for him. And he was like, you know. Have kids? I have a lot of filmmakers, people <laughs> that are saying like, oh, I'm gonna do my career and then I'll have kids later. And he's like, that's ridiculous. He's like, have kids now. Like, you don't know how, you, you don't, you don't truly know what it is to be a human until you have kids. Yeah. And he was like, it will get you focused and all. I mean, that's not for everyone. No one should follow that advice. <laughs> but it was true for me. But a lot of people should. But they should, <laughs> if they're prepared. Yeah. If they can handle it. Well, it, that's the other thing though, right? Like prepared, no, there isn't, no one's there, there's never been no. a parent in the history no. of, of any species that was prepared no. for it, you know? True. Um, and, and. I think recognizing the adaptability and the flexibility in a moment of like crisis right. is actually the um, the rewarding aspect right. of like how to survive in the world. Well, we're built for raising humans. Absolutely. So it's there. Yeah. That's the preparedness. Yeah, we, it's like hardwired genetically somewhere. Right. right. Human yeah. beings. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned your your family upbringing. My parents divorced when I was like two years old and so I was split between two households constantly right my dad is a Vietnam vet he's a cowboy like he he our relationship was more of uh uh like employee employer right. I, was gonna, I was gonna say like like uh sergeant and child and and soldier he definitely didn't apply uh, I mean he 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 has trauma from yeah. from the, his war times um but i think that trauma he didn't bring military into our into our right. life equation but i think it did affect his ability to um care for something that he may someday lose right you know right. and so so it's real it, so he kept everything at a distance right. you know and the work uh was the kind of like anchor point it was like, I don't know, what, love language? Well, was is that love kind language. of like, do you feel like you're closest with him when you're working with him? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think even though you're not saying anything, probably, you're just like working? No, well, even, even by working, it creates, creates conversation. The, well, yeah, it creates yeah. the buffer for communication. Right, like, right. if we're just both sitting there, that's almost more difficult to, like, get into a conversation, you know? Right. Like, some of the best conversations I've had with him was like, we're out driving in our fencing truck, you know, right. not a truck for sword fighting, but fixing fences, right. 
for all of those oh, who right, don't right, know. Right, right. I've said this before. I was going with fencing. No, no, no. I've said this before. I was like, <laughs> I grew up fencing. And they're like, really? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a different fencing. Also niche. <laughs> right. But uh, um, there's not an Olympic. If we're out there, competition yeah, <laughs> will be. There yeah, will be. Yeah. If this, I would uh, love that. Like a the, country live, country, a country Olympics. Country Olympics. Like, yeah, yeah. Build a fence. Yeah, yeah. Hate uh, tie rebar. Buck and hay. <laughs> How high can you buck hay? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, lay concrete and sit with it while it dries, <laughs> and a storm comes. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean it's almost rodeo. Like right, the whole right, rodeo right, thing right, is like right, right on the edge totally, of that totally, already. Totally. They're just missing some events. Yeah, they're missing some events. <laughs> like either could be like canning. Oh my god. There's endurance things right. where it's like how long can you sit in a tractor with no AC? Or skin a buck, you know? <laughs> all... Oh my god, my first skinning experience was a, with a steer and I totally split the shit sack and just oh, emptied no. it onto my That's feet. The worst. Yeah, yeah, and e like everybody there because just looks at you like you're an asshole. Well, yeah, because it's like, dude, it if you don't get that food, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I'm like, what? I don't. I mean, fuck, I was probably seven. You're, like, you're eating that fucking. Yeah, piece. yeah, totally. You get all. Yeah, that. you get all the shit stains. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, fucking beef bacon right. for for anybody. Right. Oh man, that's the thing with hunting. Like, like I got like uh, I'd never shot an animal a deer with a bow until last year and it was nice because it was the first time I owned land uh -huh. and I killed a deer with a bow for the first time on the, the first time that anyone's that I killed uh, on land that I owned which That's was cool. an amazing That's feeling an yeah. yeah and I and I hit it and it was like a little far back I felt and I was fucking worried it dropped and then I went out there I was like man here I am I'm gonna be uh, skin it. I'm gonna be gutting this thing with shit all over me because I know I hit the stomach and I have shit all over me and I gotta do this by myself and then haul it out. And there's no water source right here. Like yeah. I gotta pull it out onto the truck, drive to the water. And, um, but I hit it in the liver. And it was huh. a clean shot huh. right through, dropped it. And Dang. I was so happy because I thought I was gonna have shit meat and shit all over me <laughs> and, you, and you don't because it's the first one because it's such a significant yeah let's you're keep, like yeah. i'm gonna eat this yeah i know for sure <laughs> I'm like i'm gonna eat shit dipped fucking deer Ugh. Ugh. Uh, yeah, fathers yeah 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 so like that 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 was my growing up experience so then when i became a dad it's interesting because ginger had a very similar experience she was raised by her dad and i was raised by my mom almost primarily you right. know uh both parents of divorce or children of divorce um but we didn't have like a gender specific uh model right you know once it came to like gender roles in the house right so like i was raised by my mom and right. now i got to be a dad ginger was raised by her dad and now she's got to be a mom mm. and like i think that was a gift in right. a lot of ways you know because all of those tropes, all of those expectations, all of that stuff, I mean, you talk about not being prepared, like, we, we didn't even have a very good model. Right. You know? That's the best way to do something, though. <laughs> yeah. I think. Pure ignorance. Like, people ask me about show running. I'm like, I'm never sure. I had to Google what show running is when <laughs> I became one. And I think the, the, the lack of knowledge. That's an Olympic event, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Show running should be. <laughs> I think a lack of knowledge really helped me create it the way I want to create it. Yeah? Yeah. And I'm glad I didn't know anything else before that. There is value in that for sure. 
um, even for, for me working in clay, I didn't, right. I don't have like a long tradition of, you know, clay workers in my family right. or a- anything along those lines. Um, uh, there are very few models of even like my people's clay, you know, and clay work. Right. So I couldn't draw from any of that. What is there of Lakota? Um, well, Mandan, Hidatsa, yeah. and Arikara all had right. strong clay practice. I'm sure Lakota did too. Uh-huh. Um, but you know how Lakotas are. They'll like figure out how to do anything and right. make a go at it, you know? I, there was a period. That's a little braggy, but you know. I mean, a little, hum- hey. little not humble, you know, like a Lakota. But, you, uh, you know how those Lakotas are. <laughs> It's like, you know how we are. We apply ourselves to any situation. Any situation. And we'll crush it. Yeah. We'll cr- I mean, I'm just... And we'll g- look really good when we do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the most unhumble thing I've ever heard you say. No, it, but I'm not, I'm not trying to brag. It's mm-hmm. fact. I know. You're not. You're Lakota. <laughs> Mandans, Mandans, Hidatsas, and Arikaras, they all had these clay, these are river right. people, right? right? So like the clay Missouri River the river's is just yeah, full yeah. of clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all different, but because they're river people, like all of the dams that they built on the Missouri flooded out our lands, like right. the displacement, all of that stuff. And then you apply smallpox to that, like <coughs> maintaining those customs of play, clay practices is... If you apply smallpox to any situation, mm. it kind of tends to disrupt it. Totally, Right. totally. Yeah. That's true. Ninety yeah. percent uh, of our population. Right. Exactly. So, like, definitely just all, being. Remember when we were the talking? That was one of the questions. <laughs> that was. Yeah, it was. Uh, we were supposed to talk from Ginger about uh, how to be. What was how it? To, just how to be. Dot dot dot. Okay. What was it? Learning how to be. Well, Dude. don't introduce smallpox. Don't introduce smallpox. Because that will ruin your trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then okay. So so there there's all of that. When I enter into working with the material of clay, I didn't have knowledge right. around it. I didn't have... Uh, you know nope. how to score it though, right? Like, no, nope. I mean, you get... Like clay taught me mostly, you know? Right. Uh, and fortunately, I had a... Um, Karita Coffee was my ceramic instructor. Right. And she was like, you're going to make more clay. You'll do more than I have on my curriculum. So I'm just going to sit you in the back of the room. Right. Knock yourself out. Right. And uh, that was a gift, right? You know, and so working with the material, you kind of like. What is through, it? What goes through your head with clay? As do you concept in, or do you start with the clay and then it tells you? I kind of have an idea of what I want to make, right? And then um, there's like so much process in it. Like, I don't, I don't, um, I don't start with like a large block and remove material, right. you know. So I have to build my material, Got which it. means I have to like roll the clay out into slabs, right. uh, uh, score the edges, as right. you're mentioning. Right. Usually I start with a cylinder, right. uh, build a cylinder, and then from there you're, you kind of like figure out what it is right. that you want to make and, and, and move in that way. But I didn't have, um, I didn't have a, a, like lessons, right. you know, other than just trying to do it. And right. failure, failure was my, was my teacher because like, you just do it wrong right. and it breaks, you right. know? Um, but that ignorance also allowed me to do things that if I was instructed properly, I would never have done. Right. You know? Right. Like I, I've had other, sometimes. totally. I've had other artists come up, you know, who have these traditions of clay and, and see me working on a thing and they're like, 
that ain't gonna work. Yeah, you know, like that's not how my people did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how my people did right. it. Right. You know, and I'm making it up right now. Right. And then the far future will say, this is the way my people. They'll be did like, it. wow, the Lakotas did this. It started with, <laughs> it started with Chernobyluger. Uh, <laughs> he had nothing and created something. It started with. He always pot. starts with a cylinder. <laughs> Uh, the, the sacred cylinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Phallic, even. It's like a, it's like a hoop in a penis. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a oblong circle. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, that's what it's like being a dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I truly do love being a dad, though. Like, um, I also have the situation where I am a single dad when they're with me. So uh -huh. like, you know, they're, they're with their mom too, but like, <clears throat> so I'm always kind of questioning my method. Yeah. You know, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I giving them enough? Am I not, am I, am I, am I pulling back enough? Am I, am I hovering too much? Right. Am I, you know, it's a constant, I'm also pretty OCD like diagnosed. So like I have a constant, there is a constant boardroom meeting in my head of all of me. It's all of myself having a board, oh intense boardroom meeting and it's constantly going. They don't ever take coffee breaks. Never. Well, my kid right now is making a face at you. Yeah. He's, he's saying something and I don't understand. It could be great. It could be he's horrible. He's shocked at something. I know. What is he shocked at? Let's find out. What happened? Uh, the Simpsons made a Great British Baking Show crossover. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. It's, it's itchy and scratchy. What? Oh, the Great British Slaying Show. Oh, amazing. Oh, okay, the Great British Slaying Show. See, you raised them right. I know. The things th th that's like a. The British crossover. Baking Show got me through the pandemic. Dude. I don't know if y'all watched it then. I was like, I would eat an edible. Mm-hmm. And something about those sweet British, I mean, not, you know, they're like no, colonizing crazy people, but like. It's the kindest. They're kind. It's the kindest show that it there is. is. It's in, gentle. In, in the it's realm. It's a gentle show. Yeah, yeah. In the realm of, of what is, what is it, reality television. Right. It is one of the kindest. Yeah, where... specifically cooking shows, too, because they're cutthroat as fuck. Mm -hmm. like cooking shows. Mm -hmm. They're like, this is shit. Mm-hmm. They're like, these mashed potatoes are not mashed. Yeah, yeah. What is this? They're like, this fucking bread is fucking not moist enough. Yeah, what did I learn on the, uh, 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 stodgy? Right, stodgy. Yeah, it's a bit stodgy. <laughs> I don't yeah, even know uh, what that is to It's a bit day. stodgy. I don't know what it is either. Is that rough? I don't know. It's a bit stodgy. I don't know. Someday we will find out. You know out. what stodgy is? What is it? Oh. Oh. Gross? Okay. Oh, okay. Ginger. <laughs> Ginger just made a face that looked gross. We asked for a definition. She made a face where her mouth turned downward yeah. and she smacked her lips with a look of disgust on her face. So yeah. that's the definition of stodgy. Exactly. <laughs> it looks very British, that face that she made too. Kind of racist. Can you do a question or a thought? Sure. I mean, I think okay. we're doing pretty good, but... <laughs> Apparently not. This is, see, you know, as not a single parent, I don't have to worry about whether I'm doing it right, right. or wrong because Ginger will tell right, me. Right, exactly. She'll She's let me like, know. this is getting dull, guys. <laughs> She's like, this is getting dull, guys. <laughs> Get back on track. Well, one thing that came to my mind, I think in general, like representation and like having the umbrella syndrome and all of that might be something interesting to talk about. Mm -hmm. What is the umbrella syndrome? 
What's the umbrella syndrome? Uh, I don't, I think it's just coined right now. Oh, okay. But the um, umbrella syndrome, as I would define it, is the effect of a multitude of cultures being represented under one umbrella. Right. You know, so for native people, um, you know, even saying native people, you know, right. indigenous people. Right. Like we, we create these umbrellas that right. are somehow supposed to shelter all of us. Um, but our practices, they vary so much right. that what's, you know, if you build policy around the umbrella, right. then you don't satisfy everybody. No, you know, for sure. And um, and then there's the the, you know, as as creative folks, we oftentimes are put in the position to represent the umbrella. You know, and we can't. Right. It's impossible. Totally. And so, so like, yeah. Um, when you're engaging with with uh, uh, visual language from your specific culture, there's like a recognition that this might actually be offensive in other spaces. Right. But that's your community. Now your audience doesn't understand that because right. they understand us as the under the umbrella terms. You know. Right. And um, and it gets that's one of the hardest things to face at like a dinner party like and i'm specifically thinking of something from last night a white person coming to me and blanketing me for mm -hmm. a for a lack of a better word in in all nativeness see blankets is how they got us with smallpox exactly that's what i'm saying i'm see what i'm doing here yeah and that is the most annoying thing when someone thinks that they know you from certain small things and they just give you these general terms and general sort of blankets for lack of a better term. But that's the most annoying thing to me. It's not like blatant racism. I can take that like whatever. You're yeah. just an idiot. But it's when they think they know because they met like the most simple version of this is they met another native once. Yeah. And they think they know everything now. Or worse, they read like braiding sweetgrass. Right, you right, know? right. Or they right. or they fucking read right. you know, uh, Killers of the Flower. Right, Man. right. They think or, they know everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm and and, and it's like Or I they might... watch Res Dogs. I mean that's yeah, another yeah, 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 Or they yeah, watch yeah, Res Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But I mean that's that's the thing. Like though anytime you try to make and build a bridge, mm-hmm the the to to a community that's outside of your community you know through entertainment or or uh artwork or anything along those lines you also have to uh um deal with the the with that right. you know where it's as if there isn't a recognition that your knowledge is yours right but rather it is an opportunity to turn uh, something you've learned into an anecdote like right. that's the best application of your knowledge and your experience is an anecdote at a dinner party right i mean look I, there's a project that i'm working on with dennis goulet and it's based on a story that has to do with boarding residential schools up in canada mm -hmm. which she and i i wrote the dear lady episode of season three she directed it and someone last night at this dinner was like white guy and he i was talking about this and he was like oh is it like so it's not one of those where it's like the horrible abuse stories of like boarding schools. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, it is. 
like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I mean, just like, you know, I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, I mean, it's not like one of those where it's just like depressing and like about the, the abuse that happened. I'm like, I kind of don't know how to talk about it without that. He's like, no, but I mean, you're like, you know, yours is about this, this thing that that's the entryway into the story. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, that's just storytelling. Yeah. It's an entryway into that story. But there's still abuse at the end of that rainbow, you know, yeah. and it was a very strange interaction. Yeah, that is a weird interaction. Yeah. But for sure, this is, and that's the opportunity for like the transmission of knowledge and experience deformed right. into an anecdote. Right. Like, let me talk to this person and tell them a story of something that I've picked up right. along the way, give away all of its power. Right. You know? And turn it into some little segue right. into into a potential conversation. Right. Um, and those those conversations are exhausting. Yeah. No, it's it. So this is these are all byproducts of this umbrella thing, right? Like um, the the assumption that you have some sort of and and it's like sure we see this from non-native people we see this from descendants of settler colonialism we see it from people who have also experienced incredible loss because right. of their own displacement right. you know and that i think they're starving for a way to communicate right um that is on the level right you know but uh i also see it like i'm also uh, uh responsible for doing yeah. that same shit right you I'm, know yeah i mean sure look at us <laughs> Gives a shit what we think. <laughs> and we have a series called The Long Con. Yeah. It's a long conversation. We just keep talking. Um, oh, but conversation. I thought it was about uh, a con man game. Yeah. Like The Long Con. Oh, yeah, yeah, You're right. <laughs> um, it's both. <laughs> um, I'm just saying that we're responsible for, for the same uh, perversion of the umbrella. Mm -hmm. Like thinking that you know a people. Oh, we're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're the worst. And like, sometimes there's nothing worse than like a native artist who. Amen. Feels like. Full yeah, stop. Period. Period. <laughs> no, but just feels like they have to try and represent everything and that they have this one thing. And like, that's the thing that they should strive for. And all of the foundational money should go towards that. And and all of everything in culture should be moved. It's just like, um, it's a very like, I don't know, there's something, especially sometimes towards when you get around Indian market, there is something about the selling, like with, with the goal of selling in the end, uh -huh. that sometimes changes things in a way that's like, if we silo ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And well, what we're doing it's is we're, we're, what we're doing is we're satiating a market. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. There's there's one aspect of like maintaining culture, right? And that's one avenue and application of art in our cultures. You know, is the maintenance of, right. of culture. It's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn these forms, be familiar with the visual language, apply it in whichever way I can as like a slow, but inevitable sustaining of cultural knowledge right. right there's that right and then there's also a market you know right. that wants the um uh the authenticity of an indigenous hand making uh some sort of form shape 
painting. And that in and of itself gives that person the power to feel like they are the indigenous hand shaping this thing. Y yeah. Yeah. And that's doubled down, reinforced right. the more successful that they become mm -hmm. because you get... How do you get away from that? I mean, like, I feel like I have my own thoughts on how I do it or don't do it or fail at trying not to do it. But, like, how do you, you know... I feel like we're in a place with native art right now where it's very important to talk about that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that's like that I keep coming back to is something that I just mentioned earlier in this conversation, which is to quote myself. To quote uh, myself. To quote my Lakota self. To, to quote the Lakota <laughs> language. Uh, o I T, uh, yeah, yeah. that old Indian yeah. trick. <laughs> but uh, knowing the difference between an audience and a community. Right. You know, it's right. like, it's like when you gain certain levels of, of success, you are being separated from your community. Right. Your audience is, is becoming uh, more wealthy or, or something along those lines, but your, your community, there's a, there's a distancing that happens oh, in that. Man, and is. that's, that's harsh, yeah. you know, that's harsh because the, the audience is supporting you financially for your for your for your right. your immediate community yeah. which is your family for representing your community for, right for your but but it's your immediate like the right. the tightest right, circle right, right, in that right. ring which is like uh family your household yeah exactly yeah. so that's who's supporting me right. right so that's my audience right usually and customarily we rely on that support from our community not our audiences right. from our community but our community can't support us in the way that we used to because our systems of, of uh, community and society are disrupted, mm. you know? And you can be supported by your community, but that puts you in a different bracket as far as markets go. You but know? it also creates the crabs in a bucket situation, you mm -hmm. know? Like, I was talking to an artist recently, and it's like this person, individual, was having some, is having some success. And someone reached out to this person, another artist who's been doing it longer, and was like, kind of like telling them that they were doing it wrong, uh -huh. you know? And it's like, what makes a person do that? Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, like of our own community of native artists or whatever. Like, Well, Sterling, <clears throat> you were almost there. You were almost saying that they were doing, that some artists were doing it wrong, you right. know? Right. And, and, and we're hardwired to recognize that because our community's small. Right. And we can see when we, when we would have done it differently. Right. You know? And because we consider our community our community, it's like, I'm obligated to tell you that. Right. You know, traditionally. Right. Traditionally. Right, right, right. I got to keep my community in line. Right. right you know? Right, right. And so, like, I'm not surprised by mm -hmm. that. One thing that I'm always interested in. At, but you've gotten that too, right? No, I'm great. I'm Lakota. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. We, we're perfect sorry, in every sorry, way. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. And I'm not Forgive even me. an enrolled Lakota, Forgive so then me. I can do all kinds yeah. of stuff. Right. You know? Right. You're, you're a gunslinger, Lakota. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tradition. I've, I've, I've walked so right. far away that um, they won't even acknowledge right. me. <laughs> but... No, but yes, uh, you, you definitely get it. You, right. Everybody gets it. Beca right. and, but I don't think it's a, um, I don't take it to heart as, as I don't You're put as much. You're good at not taking stuff to heart. I well, feel. I just don't, I don't allow it to, to uh, be pressure for change, but rather a gift to consider the direction that I'm heading anyway. Right. 
you know, any critique, anything along those lines, like you could think of it as, as, um, a, a, an attack. Right. Or you can think of it as a gift. See, I thought it was just an emotional block that you had. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where you were like, I just don't hear any negative comments about me. <laughs> no, I, I, okay, transparency. I fell on my head as a little kid uh-huh. and I fractured my skull. And, it, and, that, and that's it, why? It, well, I think it affected my mirror neurons. So, so I'm like, uh, I can't. I, How if, did you fall on your head? I was playing on a on a little loft that was that was built, but mm-hmm. I was too young to be right. playing on that loft, and um, and I fell off of it. And because yep. I'm because I'm a native kid, my head's thirty three percent larger than right, the rest right, of my right, body, right. so it landed first. Did you have to go to the hospital? And shit? Um, I have no recollection. Right. I'm assuming. I mean, right. there, there's. I I was told I don't have like a scar from it or right. or anything along those lines but i have story of it you know right. and knowledge that i fractured my skull wow. from temple to temple oh well then you definitely went to the hospital right because nobody's going to make that declaration right. at home right you know right. well he's fine <laughs> put some i probably put, just fractured his skull put some butter on it <laughs> flat coke yeah, yeah. put some butter on it and get some cigarettes and uh, blow it in his ear yeah, and be all right. seasoned salt right spit and seasoned right. salt yeah, yeah. just rub that on just put salt around in the perimeter it'll, of his room it'll draw out the right. poison put it on the bed underneath <laughs> uh, all of that was probably also applied yeah, 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 you know yeah, post yeah, yeah. ihs right <laughs> right but okay so maybe it's a gift maybe it's not the 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 head trauma but when i when i hear critique right i think of it as the potential the potential to hear from my community right you know and and i don't think a lot of artists in the 21st right. century have that connection to a community right. that will hold them accountable and right. to standards it that are like... It is a beautiful thing, too, in certain ways. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's it's great. And it's I also... It's not always great, though. No, because sometimes it's a jackass, <laughs> fucking shit-ass doing it. No, no, no. You know? But yeah, yeah if but, it's meant to be... If it's... But that's that, good. There's you, a difference between good... The, like, the good being being held accountable. Here, here's me, though, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow my eyes to, like, spread apart si- slightly. And just look into that middle distance and know that even that shit ass. There's some truth in that. Even that shit ass is is the the very edge of ancestors going way back, you know? Like like there's a little bit of genetic memory. Right. And like maybe they don't know how to say it right Right. or with tact, but thank you. Right. (laughs) Thank you, relative. Thank you. Uh My relative. My my favorite is like, I know, right? Right. (laughs) I know, right? But okay, so so there's that. But there's also within the umbrella, right? right? The, the, I I think the tact of having all of these different ways of presenting native people, the the militant, the uh, the victim, right. the the um, uh, agitator, the activist, you know, all of these different kind of perspectives and, and spectrums. I'm pretty, pretty sure you just could have said Dallas Goldtooth. <laughs> Dallas Goldtooth. All of that. <laughs> but, but that we're, um, that they also challenge the, the umbrella. Right. Because if we, if we were all doing it exactly the way well, that that's we're supposed the problem, to. problem though, because whenever, as we get more success, and representation's better, we as humans feel the need to put order to that. Mm-hmm. And there doesn't need to be order to that all the time. Mm-mm. Because when you put order to it, then you're doing the same thing that you're fighting against. Right. You're creating a new system to 
hold other people's voices down within your community at that point. Absolutely. And then it's community policing and then it gets weird and sticky and yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I mean, we're in the, we're in the heart of that right now, right? We are. No, I feel it. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's literally permeating everything that we do and then everything. Yeah. Well, because what we've done is we've created as a, as a species, we've created a platform called social media. Right. And social media is an incredible tool. Right. You know, it's like it, it allows everybody to apply their opinion to any situation. Right. And regardless of their how well they're informed. Right. But it also, um, yeah, has has uh, there's weird shit with that. Yeah. And a lot of good shit. There's a lot of gold nuggets that come out of that pressure, you know. Totally. Totally. Yeah. But there's the I mean, dude, my son's 11. Mm hmm. And he was genuinely worried about being canceled. Really? Yeah. Like That's an 11 so year old yeah, yeah, who yeah. was like, oh, I just got to be careful. He's like, he makes like cartoons on right. YouTube, right. you know, and he's worried about being canceled. Right. And I'm like, get it over with now. Dude. Right, right, like, exactly. Like, uh, I, if, I were, <laughs> if I were you, I would get canceled young. Right, yeah, yeah. The younger, the better, man. The younger, the better. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, that's such a strange thing. It's like one thing to be able to present that forward through social media. The idea of canceled is specifically through a digital interface. It's such a like dark thing though, because I've never felt the need, even if I don't like someone or what they do or whatever, to call them out on something because it just creates this negative energy flow, mm -hmm. you know, that comes back on you. I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part. Yeah, maybe that's what's going on in the world presently is the right. karmic wheel is spinning back on all of all of us collectively, right. Right. you know. So how do you feel though about this idea having I just had having done this and like Res Dogs is popular in the world, not just in our community. Uh-huh. And I attribute that to not thinking about the outside world when I made it. Mm -hmm. I only made it for our community and for native people. And for us to see some type of native humor that is specific to one people, my people, but to make it broad enough for all native people to, uh, to uh, relate to it. Part of that knowledge or why I was able to kind of do that, I feel like is because of traveling with the 1491s to all the different communities right. in, in Indian country and kind of feeling what is, uh, collective, what yeah. is a collective experience between us and then applying that to the show. But I never thought of an outside audience. I only thought of native people and I leaned in hard to that and mm -hmm. it was like, I don't want to explain anything and I don't, I'm just going to do as if everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about and I'm not going to over explain anything or hold anyone's hand. That created something where people that are non-native felt trusted and a part of it and they leaned in more towards it and they actually came towards us. It's like, if you build it, they will come. They were coming towards us instead of us having to go and reach out to them, yeah. you know? And I think there's something in that. There's something that um, in trying to reach a non-native audience and a broad audience or be popular in general, if you're trying for that, I think the work sometimes suffers, yeah. you know? And it is being authentic and trying to be very specific that actually helps reach a broader audience. Yeah, well, and it's, it's um, I mean, these are these are like, economic equations right right like um it's supply and demand if you're if you're supplying what the audience is demanding like everybody else then the supply is exhausted right you know but if you're supplying something that 
that the audience doesn't even know right. know that they want it. Right. <laughs> then it's a a, um, a low. There's a low supply chain, so right. the demand is immediately higher. Right. You know. So looking to your community and providing for uh, for for us, that is unfortunately a smaller demographic right. of demand. Right. You know. And so when you satiate that demand you're creating a niche that the larger market is actually like, well, what is it? Right. Oh, I want it. Right. Oh, there's only a little bit, right. you know? Right. So like, I'm gonna value it more because it's precious. Right. Um, but the, the uh, you know, all of the economic models are like, uh, uh, if the market demands this, supply it. Right. You know? But it's so counter, it's counterintuitive to go against that because you see, you know, in our society presently, we have like, uh, an impulse to to emulate celebrity and success that's being pumped to us through our social media right. platforms, through advertisement, through media, that um, if you truly want to be happy, there's only one kind of happy, you know, presently. Right. And it is that, you know, fucking yacht dreams, you right. know, it's like the, the idea of, of success and celebrity and all of these components that um it's not sustainable right you know no. and and also it's not a real person no it's a it's an artifice well you know? if you if someone tried to make res dogs like a res dogs type show after this that was really close to res dogs mm -hmm. it would not be successful no at all you have to like there's going to be other successful and probably more successful things that are totally different other things yep you know um but right but what you've put in motion is you've created a supply right of something that the market now realizes that they want right. it so there are going to be reproductions right you know but in that reproduction uh, uh, to try to supply the demand for, for that voice and that perspective. Um, the potential for something beautiful to come out of that is great because now the audience isn't starting at zero. Right, exactly. You know, so now they exactly. have a, they're, they're a little bit more informed. Right. And that actually will generate really cool shit down I was the blown road. away with the Dear Lady episode when it came out. The amount, because I didn't know, people didn't know about this stuff. <laughs> I did it. Like, yeah. I thought, I mean, like, we all know. <laughs> like, our grandparents told us stories. Yeah. So, like, you forget that, like, oh, they don't even know. Mm -hmm. And, like, I got so many messages from people going, like, thank you. Like, I didn't know this was ha this happened. I didn't know that stories like this happened in our country, you know. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. You didn't? No. Like, I did. Like, everyone I know did. Okay. So, the, here's, this, this is kind of segueing me into another thing that I've been thinking about lately. Right. Um, I, it was maybe vaguely on our list of questions, right. but um, I would be interested to hear your perspective. Growing up as a you know, native person in the United States, did you have this experience? Because I did, and I, and I just yeah. want to verify. When I was in my humanities classes and my social studies classes and my history classes, I couldn't help but think of the of the history that was being presented to me mm -hmm. as a myth. Uh-huh. Like a like like I had a different perspective on most of like American history. Right. Like I had a different perspective right. on it. And so it made me question and value what I was being taught as history 
versus it being like another story. Right. And I think that that affected- Did that feel like another story to you or something else like history? Like I knew I was sitting in a history class, but I couldn't help but- uh, You're removed from it, right? Like it's like- Right, uh, it, it was right. happening outside of me. Right, I, I had that feeling for sure. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. I was like, who? Right. You're talking about America and, and it's distancing me from right. everybody else in my class, right. you know? I mean, I had this, I had conversations with like my great grandma who would tell stories that were passed down about the Trail of Tears. Mm. And so like I came into school knowing that I come from a people that were in a direct conflict with the United States government. Yeah. And also stories of the Trail of Tears weren't in any of my history books. Mm. So the history that I was getting from my family was very different from what I learned in school. Right. And so because of that, what you're saying, I think, is it felt something else. Like, I could actually just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, this is a cool story. It's a cool George story. George Washington, wooden teeth? What the <laughs> fuck? Like, wow. Like, what <laughs> legend is this? Old, what, old like, wood tooth. Yeah, yeah, like, what legend? Why did they call did, him yeah. George? Yeah. I would have I went with wood tooth. Like, was he also created from earth and mud? <laughs> he like, must be tree people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Like, it was just kind of a fascinating tale. So, like, I would go... My, hold on, hold on. Were they teeth made of wood or yeah. designed for eating wood <laughs> right <laughs> what held the wood <laughs> it's turtles yeah. man turtles yeah. all the way down it's amazing like <laughs> what a shapeshifter <laughs> and uh but i remember like go, i was fascinated with european medieval history my aunt and grandma lived together they had this like duplex and they had the webster's dictionary mm. or encyclopedia mm -hmm. and i would open it each, I'd just grab a volume and I'd open it. And I'd find the first drawing of a medieval character mm. and I'd read all about that person because it was a myth. Yeah. It was like, wow, it was like reading about Zeus. Right. You know, it was like, wow, this is real. This happened. Yeah, totally. But it also, I didn't have that with native stories. Like, I remember one of the first native histories that I remember reading was like my dad gave me a kid's book on Jim Thorpe. Uh huh. And I'm like, whoa, like, that's amazing. And that's not really taught in my school. Yeah. Like, why isn't he in the fucking book? Yeah. The wooden teeth guy is. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Like, but Jim Thorpe's not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and so it's weird that we even, it's weird. I mean, genocide is weird. Genocide is super it's weird. It's super weird. They do that. It's because it's not just like bloodshed. No. It's culture. It's yeah. history. It's stories. It's myth. It's everything being taken and and being presented back to you in a way that is not what you experience or know. You know? Right, and I think it was, that, it was that that made me question everything that was presented as history, you know, which was supposed to be like fact-based, you mm -hmm. know, that there was a, a written record of this from one point to the next, right. and now it's in a textbook printed in Texas, right. you know, and, right. and redistributed to every public school across right. the country, right. you know? But I would hear stories and I would be like, that doesn't t totally line up with what I was told, right. you know, and what I've experienced. And so I just grew up suspicious, right? you know, Same. where I'm like, for sure. And I'm like, what's the end of that? I'm well, like, it is math bullshit me, too? You know what that did to me though? Like I was always suspicious, but also like you can see that as like empathy towards other sides of things too. Mm. Like I, so it helped me in writing characters. Like I can write a, evil character and i have to kind of try to see it from their perspective mm -hmm. 
and try to provide humanity to this person that is unsavory or this character that is unsavory. Right. And I'm very good to a fault about hearing about something that someone did that was bad. Is and trying Lakota too? Yeah. <laughs> and try, a little bit. <laughs> Not enrolled. And, uh, but seeing a person, seeing, like hearing about somebody doing something bad and I will immediately look for the reason why they did it, what bad circumstance led them to that? Mm. Was it their upbringing? What, why are they sad? Why are they unhappy? Why did they end up like this? Right, why, how could you be so cruel? Right. What happened exactly. And so I look at all of that in a rounded sort of way. And I think that being suspicious of history and what I was taught helped in that. Yeah. You know, because I, I know truths that aren't being told and so I'm always going, well, what was the other side that you're not telling me? Yeah. You know? No, that's interesting. So the only mention of my people in history was... You got more mentions than any of us. Well, Lakota, yes. But Mandan, Hidatsa, oh, right, Narika, right, so right. I'm enrolled. I barely know. I, bar I just heard about them like last year. Right, no, right, kidding. right, right. <laughs> yeah. But you, you heard stories adjacent to us when you heard stories of Lewis and Clark. You know, in Chicago, we at uh, right. leading leading Lewis and Clark right. to the. Well, you to, know, Sedelta is Mandan. Uh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. So the only mention of my folks were adjacent to Lewis and Clark. So the only time that I would hear about my people in the history of the United States. Right was through Sacagawea and right. and the Western or Northwest Passage. Right. But I remember in third grade, we moved into the Southwest. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, um, Scottsdale, more importantly, right. with anybody knows that's like a very specific. It's different. It's very specific. Yeah. And um, I was going to school there and my third grade teacher was talking about Lewis and Clark and she had this little aside uh -huh. that wasn't like in the book, but just to kind of like bring it home right. about the Mandan people all dying from smallpox. Oh, the blanket situation. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like they all died because of <laughs> every one of them. Because this is the way she presented it. Wow. You know, like sadly. Right. They all died from smallpox. And you're just sitting there. And I'm sitting there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm sitting there. Right. A mandate, right. you know. And um I raised my hand and I'm like they didn't all die. And she was like sadly, you know, sadly they did. And this is a white school That's that I'm crazy. going to in Scottsdale, right? Wow. And I'm like, I am Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara. Right. You know, like they didn't all die. Right. And I felt great. Right. Because I was like, oh, I got to tell the teacher right. what for, you right. know. And um, later on in life, I, I, that story came back to me because I was thinking like, that was like such a triumphant moment for myself. Right. What did she do? She, she I, I literally showed her my CIB card. Right. You know, that said, wow. yeah, Mandan, yeah, yeah, Hidatsa, yeah. and Arikara. And, um, and she, you know, apologized right. and class went on, you right. know? Right, right. And so I felt triumphant. Right. Then I started thinking later in life, how many generations of students did this third grade teacher right. annihilate right. all of us in their mind? Right, right. You know? And did she continue to do it because it was such a good aside right. for her like out right. of the textbook like let right. me bring it home make it real right right like i have no idea right you know and that was that was a really weird thing well here's the other side of that too though 
I didn't know the history of my people textbook wise. Mm -hmm. I knew stories mm -hmm. that were passed down. And a lot of those are very personal mm -hmm. and intimate. And so you hear personal stories, but I didn't know history. My family wasn't going around like going, well, you know, in 1834. Right. They weren't doing that. But I went to college, a freshman year college. I was a, it was like a remedial history class or some shit. And I had a teacher and his focus, white guy, his focus was native history. And that's when I learned about Andrew Jackson, uh -huh. the forced removal, how that happened, the history of that. And it really blew me away because it was the first time I'd had it contextualized like that to me, mm -hmm. like in sort of book form, you know, like teacher form. Mm -hmm. And I started it just like I got flooded with all these thoughts of all the people. I started looking at all the faces in my head of the people I grew up with. And I was like, wow, like we were all a part of that history. And I knew that, but I knew it at more of a like spiritual sort of like internal level. I didn't know it as the outside world knew it. Right. As the history had happened. Right. And so him being such a fan of native history or an expert in native history kind of gave me that to where it opened me up to go, oh, I'm going to learn more about this, you know, because because yeah. it's not just myth. It's not just stories that I grew up with. It's some shit that actually happened that affected everyone that I know. Right. So, I mean, that's the other side of it, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, and, and, and that, but see, this is, this is the... I think this is the distinct opportunity that people are missing in the um, fear of critical race. Right. No, exactly. Like uh, theory. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, being applied presently to right. uh, a population. Right. It's like, look, I'm not trying to undermine the history as we've learned it up until right. this present. I'm trying to fulfill it completely. Right, exactly. And in that complete history, something more profound comes out of it because you have maybe it's a more profound empathy to right. your to your to the people around you right exactly you know and seeing how they've intersected right. and how they how they've been yeah, like, I mean, like learning that history didn't make me hate white people mm -hmm. it made me it made me learn more about my own people and have more empathy to where a lot of us ended up you right. know right and I've applied it, I think, you know, in my yeah. life. Like, I, so I do think that, you know, like, like, like the fear of that critical race theory is really funny to me because it's such a, like, it's such a, like, weird, conservative, white, mostly sort of idea, religious involved too, that you're going to damage people whenever it's the complete opposite. Right. You are going to make more well-rounded humans that know to learn from mistakes and and have empathy with people across the line from them, you know. Totally. No. Well, it's damaged people trying to maintain right. the the source of their damage. Right, exactly. You know, it's like what do I mean Thank you. if uh, my children don't relate the same way? Right. You know, or my children's children. Right. You know? What, what, what did I suffer for then? It turns all into culture war, you know? It's like, my kids are going to be fucked up. And gonna, I know. They're going to be hanging out with kids of other races and well, know, sexual, you know. Totally. And that has been the truth for most of human history. <laughs> That's the part that I think is baffling. It's like, dude, your story is a myth. Right. Like, the, the application of critical race history isn't undermining history. Right. It's oh. undermining this myth of the history. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, no, we did all fucking right. 
intermingle, commingle, right. have these experiences. Like right. we've all suffered in ways that are so profound that if you don't tell the story of how we've uh, commingled and right. adapted to all of these variations, then we don't grow at all, right. you know? Just not telling the story doesn't make it true that it happened throughout history everywhere, right. you know? Right. But yeah, that's, that's my soapbox. <laughs> um, what was another question? I feel like we're on a roll here. Yeah, you guys are doing really good. Feel, you, can, you can always tell when they're good and they're not, or they're not as good or they're good. Pressures of success, maintenance of a career, and like, like just midlife. Yeah, I feel like you guys were kind of talking about it already, but mm -hmm. it might be good to touch on. I don't know. I think partially, I always don't believe in it. Okay, I was just going to ask you that yeah. question yeah. because I have a hard time thinking about where I'm at presently as a point of success. Right. No, I don't either. Like, I, I, it's hard for me to recognize the, the accomplishments that I've, that I've like achieved right. because they're strung together with so much other stuff that I'm like, right. Like other stuff is in what? Just being alive. Right. You know, like, yeah. uh, um, yeah. um, if you can recognize the your your own personal success oh, because of life is involved no i can't i mean like i never recognize it <clears throat> but i think i've always been that way like i've always been like i i don't i, I always had imposter syndrome hmm. i'm always been like i don't know if i'm deserve this so i'm just gonna keep fighting yeah and i'm gonna keep doing the work that's always been me and i never get comfortable in the success because i know it's fleeting and I've also had a weird career where like I felt very successful but financially I was broke all the time right so my kids started to benefit from my family started to benefit from what I do that's the biggest change of success that success has brought is I've been able to provide better for my whole family and that's good right and that feels like a very positive thing mm -hmm. all the other stuff I don't think about I don't and I don't even believe because so, it could be taken away. But we were just out at dinner the other day, yeah. and I know this happens all the time because it happened multiple times. And maybe it's specifically because we're in New Mexico, right? And there's a lot of native community around here, right? But you get pulled aside, totally. And like, let picture me get a picture take. with yeah, you. Yeah yeah, 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 totally. Well, that's really a good feeling because I care about that. I know that they were connected to the show, uh -huh. and so that makes me. And it's like an auntie that did it. You know? Like <laughs> I just want to like hug her, yeah, and go like. Oh, you remind me of my family. You remind me of my aunties, and I—it's um, a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful exchange. But there have been situations that have been really weird that I don't like. Like me and my kids are out, families out, and someone came up to me one time and didn't ask me anything. They just turned the camera around on themselves, took a picture with me in the background, and said, um, "Sterling." And like I looked and then he took the photo and then walked off without saying anything. Uh, and my kids are in it, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, don't do that. And that's then, that's I, paparazzi level. Yeah. And then one day I was outside of a restaurant and this guy, this white guy came out and it was with Bobby Wilson was there and the kids. And he came up to me and was like, hey, can he just pulled the camera. I was like, get a picture with you. And I was like, whoa. I was like, what? And he was like, oh, I was just going to get a picture. I was like, just ask me if you can have a picture. He's like, sorry, 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 sorry. He's like, can I get a picture? I was like, yeah. And then my kid, my kid, my son always jumps into photos, but I didn't want him to jump into that photo. And so he was jumping in and he was like, oh, let me get the kids in there. So I was like, no, it's okay. Just get us. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. And he took the photo, you know, so there's some that are bad, some that are good, but it's not weird to me. Like it doesn't mess with my head at all. 
I can separate it all and be like, oh, I'm like, glad you like it. Yeah. I personally am a person that suffers from anxiety and lots of crazy things that, I, that I'm navigating. Yeah. So it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Like I'm dealing with my human problems, you know? <laughs> like I see a therapist, you know? Yeah, that's wild. Well, it, okay, so but by a lot of standards, you're successful, yeah. right? Um, that comes with a whole nother round of anxieties. Right. You know, that, right. that you're like, un, um, that we're not prepared for, you right. know, even finance, even like financial, right. uh, shifts and changes, right. like there are ways to be taxes, taxes, uh, how to, how to invest, like right. all of this sort of stuff. Like there are, there are like whole new levels of, of, um, responsibilities and proper ways to do things that have not we didn't have generational knowledge on how no. to do that. You zero, know? zero knowledge of how right. to do it. Right. Um, I mean, I failed a lot at that. I mean, I remember one time when I was shooting Love and Fury, I just left you, went to meet Micah at a show in Paris. I got a call that day and it was from a tax guy right before I went into the venue to film. Just had an amazing dinner, feeling good about myself, making a film, whatever. Tax guy calls and the first thing he says is, are you sitting down? <laughs> I was like, great. And I knew that I'd, I, I was three years behind on taxes because when you're a freelancer working check to check, you don't always put the money back. Yeah. You're like, I'll put the next check back and then the next check never comes. Yeah. Or it's not enough. And then yeah. You got to keep living, you know? And so I had three years where I hadn't paid taxes and I gave it to him. I didn't think it would be that bad. I tried to like write off as much as I can or whatever. And he's like, are you sitting down? And I was like, oh, great. What? And he hit me with, I owed $63,000 in taxes. And I did not have that money, mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, $63,000. Like, that's a lot. And I don't know what I'm gonna do. You're like, I made two movies for less. Right, than that, <laughs> yeah. And I just like, it was like, I was just like, it destroyed the rest of my trip uh. in Europe, you know? Cause I was like worried the whole time. I was just like, this level of anxiety that was really hard. So I had no idea how to do this. Luckily, I started working in TV. I got a job that paid for that whole bill. Mm -hmm. and, then I, and then I started paying, I got enough money. You have to have enough money to do this. That's what they don't tell you. They don't tell you. Rich families that come from generations of wealth know this. Money makes money. Yeah. And money also is what helps you navigate this stuff. So I got to the point where I could pay a tax person to sit and do my books Mm -hmm. And I just go through them mm -hmm. and that saved me, Yep. you know, and you pay for it and I pay for it. But yep. that's the only way that I've been able to do it. You know, like if I had to do it myself, screwed. Yeah. Totally screwed. Totally. Totally. And that's the vast majority of the population. Right. No, everyone, no one knows what they're doing. No. Yeah. And, right. and, and we're all getting screwed. Right. And the wealthiest families in the, in the country and or corporations or bodies, they're not even spending their money because the next level of wealth generation is other people's money. Well, the problem is what people don't realize is just having the, just having the freedom and knowledge that if you lose everything, there's someone behind you that has money to take care of you. Right. Just having that knowledge makes you a little more careless and fearless and making your own living and it helps you make a living more. When you're us and the people behind you have no money 
and if the floor breaks underneath you, you're the only thing there and you're going to drop. Yeah. That's a, another level of anxiety of like trying to navigate the business stuff, which is not taught and it should be taught. I, I right now, I hope they do, but if they don't, they should have a like business for artists on how to deal and manage and navigate that because it's so hard. Yeah. I know when I was going to school at IAIA, there was an attempt at that. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is it is like trying to teach... Right, right, uh, right. Kids uh, to paint without painting outside of the paper without getting paint on the table i mean <laughs> it's it, it, i would say it's even weirder than that yeah. it's like can i i'm going to teach flight to turtles you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. because I, I was in it i took that class right. you know and i was like was it taught by an artist yeah it was yeah and I, but i was like this is theoretical right you know like right. i know that you're hitting me with things that are really helpful right. and i wish i could apply it but where I was at in my life and it's, that it's not practical at all. No, not at all practical. So, and it's, and, and you <laughs> with finances and money and all of that sort of stuff, like this is a population of uh, people who ha have survived for generations right. with no safety net, right. you know? Right. And you're trying to tell them about how to do all of that. And it's like, as if, right. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> This one just acting all big. Oh, went to school, came just back here, tried to teach us. Big all of a sudden, <laughs> just real big man. Don't know shit. Don't know shit. Yeah, what yeah. it's like to being me right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's tricky, and I know they tried to do it. I don't know how successful it was, right. and and like what a way to make it successful mm -hmm. is. I I think one thing that would be really helpful is potentially a um, a postgraduate program. Uh, right. where they embed students with working artists. Because yeah. then you that can, would help. Then you can see it applied that would not help. But theoretical. also, like, they should just, like, sign everyone up for, like, an LLC. That's, you know? Dude, I just signed, I just became an LLC last year. Right. And I was joking with Ginger because um, I am the chief executive officer. Right. And I was like, oh, that's how you become a chief. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I was like, all my life, right, right, man, right. people would call me chief, and I'd be like, hey, right. knock that off. You can't right. say that to me, you know? Right. And now they can. And now you are. And it's true. <laughs> yeah. I am yeah. a chief. Miko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, because that's, that is, I mean, even the notion of chief, like that word, that's an imposition on our cultures, you know? Right. That I mean, we that... have other words for it. But we don't apply it because of the umbrella, you know, going all the way back to that. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, like, Miko, I think it's the only thing that you can translate it to, when, and that's already sucks, because once you change the word and you talk about the English language meaning, it loses its meaning. Right. Because it wasn't, it translates to king, like king of a town. Right. But realistically, it wasn't king of town. It was like the person that was like, placed in this very important role to help sort of make decisions for the town that person can be overridden as well you yeah know, there's a war chief yeah and the war chief if it fucking comes to war like the the miko can help with negotiations and sort of like navigating with another group or whatever but if the war chief decides this ain't going nowhere he overrules the miko 
and he's the war Miko. He overrules the Miko, and he's like, it's time for war. Yeah. And then that Miko has to go, okay, this is your world. This is your lane. Right. You go for it. And then war happens, you know? And then even in those positions, like when you translate that to king of a town, right. you're bringing on all of the historical knowledge Kingness. that you find Kingness. in the Webster's Dictionary right, right. around what a king right. is. And it's not and, accurate. And a town right. on top of that. Yeah, exactly. And now you're applying that knowledge to right. this. But what's missing often is that that position is not a position of power right but of servitude all right servitude and like and sacrifice uh, sacrifice yes that's what i was about to say it's, it's about sacrifice yeah like i i there's a miko who i, who I uh, respect a lot and um miko thompson he's from hickory ground and which is like originally would be a town right like hickory ground is a town and um but he was appointed when he was young he was a teenager and his life, he sacrificed. Like, he didn't do what other kids did. Right. He didn't party. He didn't uh, go wild. He didn't, you know, do art. Yeah. You know? and yeah, he yeah. Be a traveling artist like us. Yeah. He sacrificed everything he had to fulfill this role uh, for his community. And he d he's done it in such a humble, gracious way that, like, I'm just always impressed. He and I both spoke at a funeral. Um, not long ago, a couple of years ago. And I was a friend of mine and we both were people that were asked to speak. And it was so, it was so cool. Like, you know, that they see me as like, they, and the family knew me and they, but they see me as this guy that made, that is a friend of theirs that went on to make movies mm -hmm. and I put them in it. They're all the, you know, they're always in my shows and stuff. The guy that passed away was actually in season two. And, um, but I'm there going, this guy's, this is, this is who you look up to. Yeah. You know, like the one that isn't making TV shows and telling people, you know, like telling people like how they feel about the world. Yeah. Like this guy who doesn't do any of that stuff, but lives a purposeful life and leads by example. Like I'm impressed with this guy, you know, and that yeah. to me is like what encapsulates the word Miko. Right. And King should not be, he would be, he would not want to have that word put on him. Mm -mm. King. No. You know, he likes Miko, but not King. That's yeah. weird. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because of all of the right. subtext that that brings in, right. you know. And that's the limited history perspectives, right? Like, right. I imagine there were kings in the world of, you know, kings and stuff like that, that served that position in the way that would be similar to you a are, Miko. Yeah, yeah right, right. You right, know, right. but we have this, like, really limited perspective on that, you know. Right. And You and, ever think about that? Like, you know how little knowledge we have, not little, but like, you know how hard it is to pull the truth out of our histories, like we're talking about, um, the things that are, that are left unsaid in history books and all of that. I, I, I'm, I only think of it from my perspective as a native person, but you know, like Celts have the same thing, uh -huh. you know, like. Scottish, like Irish, like all these tribal people as well. Yeah. And people that were colonized, you know, like they have the same thing that was I'm like. I'm pretty sure that's where chief comes from. What is it? I'm pretty sure. From Celts. Yeah. Yeah. Scottish, maybe. Right. But yeah, for sure. But they have that too, you know, like there's so many communities. I'm not just saying them or yeah. us even, but like all over this world, there is this um, gap in knowledge about like true histories of like what we were and how we became that's why like dude, uh, we are the vast majority of the population right 
you know, right. going back once again to these, <laughs> the umbrella syndrome, like when you use a word like indigenous, you're tapping into all, Everyone. all of those histories, right. Right? right? Like there was a point in which we all worshiped the land we stood on, right. you know, and there were cultures and cultures and cultures, variations upon them throughout history, all the way back. Like the vast majority of our experience falls under that umbrella. Totally. I had an uncle uh, who passed away a couple years ago and really awesome dude. And, um, big from reservation dogs based on him. And, uh, he was, but he was, he was, and he was also Christian and, but he never went that much, but he considered himself Christian. And I'd ask him about it. And he said, you know, he said, we're in the Bible. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, we're in the Bible. He's like, they talk about us. He's like, um, John the Baptist, he wasn't a Christian. Like he came from what they said were people that sang and danced around a fire and they purged. And he was like, what do we do? Yeah. He was like, we sing and we dance around a fire and we purge. And he's like, he was one of the most well-respected people in the Bible. And he come from those people. They were also basically saying they're native people, you know? Yeah. And that's true. I mean, like across the board, it's been this, it's a weird battle. What is it? Is it the Anunnaki? What happened? <laughs> Why is uh, colonialism and, and um, just the idea of conquering other people or lacking in resource and needing to take it from someone else? Why has that always been in the face of indigenous people and their ways of life? It has to be, I think, and I say this in the show, that they see the threat of community. Yeah. You see the threat of what community brings, because when you're when you're living as community and you're and you're feeding that community and you're taking care of that community, that runs right directly uh, against the idea of a king. Yeah, it runs right against the idea of individual uh, wealth. It runs right against the idea of feeling like you can. I don't know. There's a reduction all the way down. You can distill this to uh -huh. a single word. Dominion. Yeah. Dominion. Uh -huh. As soon as dominion was applied right. on, uh, uh, in totally. every aspect, it perverts that, right. the collective power. Right. Like when we talk about community, we're not even talking about just the town. Right. It's like, oh, no, no. The piece of dirt that we're on, right. where the river runs right. through it, the river, the air, the wind, the trees, the animals, all of that is a part of that community. The stars. Right. And how do you have dominion over something right. like that? I know. Right. You know, that's the craziest shit to me. To me, that is the craziest shit that we just accept. Yeah. 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 It's the craziest thing. Well, and that's that's and the, I'm a part of it. That's the myth, too. This yeah, is what yeah. I'm saying. Like we the history that we're taught is a myth. Right. It's a story. Right. And that story reinforces some of these uh, things that are valued highest. And dominion's a major part of that. Right. You know, and where did that word first come into play? Right. But when you think about kings, you think about them being, um, uh, having a hierarchy and usually they're like demigods. Like right. they follow their bloodlines all the right, way back right, to, the, to God, yeah. you know, to right, God right, itself. Right, right. And then the rest of us are like, yeah, mine does too. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so does that tree. Right, right. right. Uh, so does the dirt. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we want to respect everything as kings and dominion, then we really have to, like... It's amazing that we accept it. Well... But we have to. Well, it's just that it's reinforced. It's right. so systemic that it's embedded in everything. And so because of that, because of the shit we've had to do, right. I have to believe in it, too. Right. Because I participated. Right. 
because I applied my dominion right. just by like throwing my sh- trash in the fucking dump. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm participating in the notion of dominion, right. you know, because I, because I drink water from a pipe. Right. I'm applying my participation and acceptance of dominion because right. I live in a house. There's a really great book. Uh, David Grant's book, new book, The Wager. He wrote Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh-huh. He's one of my favorite authors even before that book came out. But like, uh, The Wager is about this like, I think it's like the 1700s, uh, this like English uh, boat armada and these sailors and they're going to like intercept this Spanish uh, boat that's full of uh, treasure, uh-huh. gold. And they're going down South America way and around something like that and like Cape Horn or something and um first of all it's the most brutal existence to be on a boat in the 1700s crossing mm-hmm. the Atlantic mm-hmm. oh my god mm-hmm. the shit that they dealt with scurvy yeah they didn't even know like these people get they get um they capsize or they're, they're they get what's it called maroon on the beach and they um was there, there a mutiny? There, there was many mutinies. There's cannibalism. They're dying. <laughs> it's awful. But they're getting scurvy, and they don't know what the fuck that is. Right. They think it's a God's curse, you know. And and in a lot of ways, it is. And then like yeah, and they're and they're on this like island, and there's no one there. There's no food, and they're trying to find a trace of food. And at one point, they start eating wild uh, celery. Huh. It's just growing. Well, wild celery has has vitamin C in it, and so they heal. Yeah. And of course, they think it's prayers that are healing them, but it yeah. was wild celery that healed them <laughs> from this disease, you know. And um, well, a lot of ways, wild celery is prayers. But then they were also <laughs> helped by indigenous people, hmm. and some of them were nomadic, like water people. Oh, wow! And it's crazy because at the end of this, and they would like come on shore with their boats, take their boats, their canoes apart carry them across land, teaching them how to do this. But also they're just living on the water from island to island and like just fishing, you know, they're just living on the water. And um, it's so crazy because at the end of the book, it's like, it names the two tribes that he mentioned in the book and they're like, they're gone. Yeah. They're no longer here. And it's just like, and maybe he's wrong, like the teacher that <laughs> tells you that man to hands are yeah, gone. Yeah. But this culture of these people is not there anymore. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's such a strange thing. You're seeing them in this book help these people that are morons, mm-hmm. you know, and they're helping these people. But like through helping them and not helping them, like their whole their whole existence was fucking destroyed. Uh, that's wild. So I, I always think about this too with like, you know, once again, going back to history lessons, the Spanish, there's all these stories about when they first reached the shores of South America right. and how the indigenous tribes either in, on the islands of the Caribbean or, you know, on the coasts of South America revered them as gods, right? right? And I'm like, I'm like, I, I want to call bullshit on that. Right. I'm like, you got to recognize hospitality right. I- existing in right. indigenous communities right. and helping people who are sick. And right. I'm like, dude, when you got off that ship, right. you think you were godlike? You stunk. Yeah. You were rotting. I'm like. Your clothes were <laughs> rotting off. And the people were just like, oh, poor right, things. Right. Like, fuck, we need to pitiful. feed them. 
Yeah, yeah. Just pitiful. Totally. And they're like, oh, they've, they've brought us all this right, bountiful right. food and all of right. these gifts. And they were like, dude, your clothes were rotting off yeah, of your body exactly. and you smelled like a butthole. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. we gave you a wash and, and some food so that you could survive. I bet we've never smelled that smell. <laughs> That's how bad that smell was. But we've never smelled. And I've smelled some bad smells. <laughs> And I don't think we've ever smelled that smell. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I remember seeing like illustrations of like native people like bowing to the to the boat off of the coast. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, oh, wow, you know, right. this is a part of our stories, you know? And I'm like, dude, they're bowing their head to like avoid the stench right, of that exactly. thing. Like, I bet you they could smell them fucking days before they got there. It's you know? fucking disgusting. Here's <laughs> your lighter. Well, there's a weird thing, I think, with non-native specifically white anglo-saxon and i think it comes from the bible the religion <clears throat> that religion is very very like answer driven i have the answers mm. this bible has the answers in it mm -hmm. don't stray from that all the answers that you need are right here but you got to come here right but we didn't our people, I mean, it's like, you know, it's called the great mystery half the time. Like, we don't fucking know. That's kind of how we treat it. It's like, we do these things that we were taught and passed down to do. Yeah. Because we know that pleases whatever balance we're trying to please. Yeah. Whether that's creator, whatever. You know, whether that's like we have a word, uh, ofongo, which is like this like energy that exists in everything mm -hmm. and it's genderless, you know, and it's like, that's a, you have to balance that. You have to, you have to like nurture that, you know? Yeah. And we don't have the answers. I don't know how many times at ceremony I've heard, like, we don't know why we do that, but we just do. Yeah. And we don't have the answers. Yeah. You know? Like, but <clears throat> Christianity is very like, we have the answers and it's all right here. It's all right here. And you're like, wait, was it rewritten a lot? And, yeah. and was yes. there racist and sexist ideas that changed it? And y like, is that? The answer is yes. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's still got the answers in it. It's got all the answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um, so I think that that approach, sometimes people approach me in a way with that coming from that base that baseline which is like they feel like sometimes the work gives them the answers that they need to talk about it all and the answers aren't in my show i pose a lot of questions and there's a lot of not knowing what we're doing but we're doing it because this seems important and community seems important and that approach sometimes when i get approached like that it's just off-putting. I have patience with people. Yeah. You know, like I think you have to if you're going to keep doing this. Yeah. So I do have patience with people. And I find that if I take the time to explain something sometimes, that it does sink in. If I say to a person that's saying, well, you're doing a boarding school, this happened to me. You're doing a boarding school project. Um, is it going to be dark? Is it going to be about abuse? Like, and then I say, hey, like there is no story about native boarding schools without abuse it in and of itself is abuse the idea of it it, it was abuse when it was only an idea and not implemented right that is abuse and so if you say that i find that if you say that to someone it's just a reframing of their question and a reframing of their mindset and most people appreciate that i think you know <clears throat> Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think they, I think they appreciate it. It does challenge a lot of their, you know, right. It makes them uncomfortable. Norms. Right. Right. And I'm like, welcome to the world. Exactly. <laughs> welcome to us. The world is uncomfortable. What was the question that we kept trying to get to the, uh, how to be, how to be, that's, that's it. We're just, 
teaching you how to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and that being is not an endpoint. Right. You know, being is a process. Like being. And it's continuous. Yeah, and it's a response. So there, there's no answer to it. <laughs> right. Because there are there's trial and there's application and there's error and there's adjustment. You know. And that's how you be, you know, um, is, is continuous and, and like you'll die from it. And we don't have the answers. <laughs> I'm still in a constant state of being, I'm still trying to be a better person. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to navigate what I do, which is not a normal thing. Like what we do is not the norm and that's okay. That's how we like to live. But with that, you also have to figure out how to take care of yourself. And that's a challenge and that's hard. And, and, you know, like, like the idea of like, I might've said this last time, but like whenever I was, the show was successful and it was crazy and there was mostly positive, but negative as well. And all this shit was coming at me. It felt like a wave hitting me. Uh -huh. And I was talking to Ethan Hawke about it. Who's been an actor since he was like 15 and, it, and, and in Hollywood movies since right. then. And he's also a very even killed, very good person. And he said to me, he said, it doesn't matter if it's negative or it's positive. It all feels the same. Yeah. And it's hard and you feel exposed. And he said, you have to go to therapy. He's like, I've been in therapy for most of my career in life at this point. And he's like, it's the only way I've been able to deal with it. And because I do think that there's a place, whether that's a therapist, whether that's a shaman, just kidding. Whether that's, whether that's a, a, you know, whether that's a spiritual person or somebody in your community, maybe it's a family member, but preferably not a family member actually, because you get to dump things on people that you don't have to dump on your family. And I think that that's important. And it's just something where someone else can listen to what you're going through. And, it, and it's even just, and that's only because we're uncomfortable saying it by ourselves yeah, and seeming like a crazy person by talking to ourselves. But there is a feedback that you get from them. So that's helpful. But literally just saying it out loud is the first and most helpful step. Right. Is saying what you're going through. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, 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 I went to therapy once. Mm. <laughs> I could use, I could use a better therapist. I could. Yeah. Um, but, I, and I think that that's also a, a point of, of challenge, right? Like, is like, who do you talk to? You know, it's one thing being able to, right. to say it out loud. And but sometimes I feel like it doesn't matter. It, it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. If you're, a, Just if you're a therapist worth your salt, right. it shouldn't matter, right? But sometimes it does. And sometimes right. it like, does. like having the, um, like cultural context or experience right. is right, really right. helpful right. on that on that end. That's true. But um, being able to just like express things and say them out loud. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm a I'm an artist, so right. half of the time is expressing. Right. right. Like, and and I'm doing it in a in a visual language, and I'm not saying it out loud. Right. And I and I think to myself, oh, I got I really aired that out. I got that off my chest, right. you know. And it's like, yeah, but did you ever say it out loud? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm like, well, I made this shape. Right. right you know, right. Uh, look, I've made this shape. I made the I, phallic shape. Yeah. yeah I put these. With. I put these shapes in relationship yeah, yeah, to other yeah. shapes. <laughs> They're all cylindrical. <laughs> yeah. Let the far future decide right. how fucked right. up I am. Right. You know. Uh, but but I do think that there's other things other than therapy. That's not the end all be all. I mean, right. like, it, it is going to your studio and working with Clay, 
It, I mean, one of the, my favorite things is painting, which I don't do enough of, but like, that's so therapeutic to me. Writing's therapeutic. Um, going to the gym's therapeutic. Like all of that stuff. So you, totally, I just think but like- It's not the end result. Like where therapy is like, okay, this is therapy. Like right. you're going to, to do this. Cause I think right. oftentimes like I will undermine the, 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 the help I need right. by being like, well, I'm an artist. I, I'm like, I'm doing my right, own right. therapy, you know, no, I do art think, therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important because especially doing what you do, because you are dealing with a lot of people coming at you in different situations from different backgrounds. We're not just in our community talking to people in our community. We're not in our community talking to people in our community. And because of that, we don't get, we're not brought into that. And whether we like it or not, we're not as close in that circle of that community as we used to be. Yeah, for sure. And I feel that. Yeah. And I remember one time I was making a documentary, this may be the last time. Well, when I was making that, I hadn't lived home in a while. I moved home to work on that. And it was an interesting thing that happened. All of a sudden, my community felt more like I was there. They still loved me before. Yeah. But they didn't say everything to me that they used to say. And that means stories. Yeah. And, and the stories that they're telling me and things that are happening. Even like bad medicine and things that are happening and mm -hmm. like and like darker stories. I was let back into that circle because I was back there in proximity. And like all of a sudden I was... I, they could open up to me more in another way that, that used to, I'm not, because I pop in and out, I yeah. live in the city and whatever, you know. Yeah. It was interesting. No, I've had that same experience being um, not living uh, back home, you know, mm -hmm. not living on the res. Right. Uh, being away for a long time, you know. Right. I always return in the summertime, but I am, I'm even visitor there, right. you know. And when I was younger and, you know, that, that tie back in was easier, you know? But as we get older, like the things we experience on the daily, there's like, there's points of reference that you lose when you're not there right. on the daily, right. you know? Um, yeah, and that invitation back in, it takes proximity, you right. know? And the more successful you become, the harder it is to maintain right. that proximity. So, yeah, I mean, the thing, I like want a place here in New Mexico only because, not only, I mean, green chili and all that Mostly. stuff. Mostly because of those freaking spas I went to. Holy hell. Yeah. Talk about self-care. And we went to one where on the brochure, oh, somebody was Jade or someone who's like. It was her, Ginger. Ginger overheard a conversation where they were talking about, they gave, they have a sweat lodge on the property. Uh -huh. And they were telling some white person about the sweat lodge and what that is. And they mentioned that they're being run by a shaman. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? What is a shaman? That's a whole thing. You know, there's like shaman classes that just randos take. Uh, I'm sure. At like days in motel conference rooms and well, shit. Here's the, here's the deeper question. Do you know where shaman, that term? No. So in Central Asia, our relatives right. from Central, Central Asia, right. they would have uh, a medicine person, probably by uh, another name. Right. And then they would have the shaman. And the shaman would be the like inter the intermediary between oh. human beings and the great mystery. Right. And so they were known to speak in tongues. They were known to communicate in right. languages that weren't written, you know. Right. Um, but to go to the other side, bring back some knowledge to share with the community, right. you know. And it was a very specific right. person. Right. And it was always like a person in their community right. who would who took on once again, 
the responsibility and the sacrifice right. of being that because they were also subject to the periphery right. of their community. You know, because they danced on right. those two edges, they couldn't ever really be in. You know, so they right. they they held the same position as like, you know, in the Western uh, uh, paradigm and narrative of like the hermit. Right. You know, it's like this lone person who people would go to, who was always on right. the edge of the right. of the community. So like, taking on that responsibility and the application of it, like I'm many a native person I've heard called themselves shamans. Right. And how I'm like, you, how do you do that? I'm like, don't do that. Right. Don't do that. Right. I'm like, that's the, de that, once again, this is like uh, Miko and King. Right. It's like, dude, you're trying to describe a very specific thing, but they, they allowed shaman to hold the position of all indigenous people right. because that was their probably first point right. of contact in their You want to hear a crazy shaman story? This is not a, they probably didn't call him a shaman, but um, he was uh, maybe what we call a halasaya or some a medicine person. But this person was like a seer, you know, and um, it was during the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. So the Battle of Horseshoe Bend was um, it was kind of like the last Muscogee Creek like stand before mm. removal. Um, so it was the last stand with Andrew. Literally, Andrew Jackson was there. Uh, the Red Stick Wars, what they call it. And the Red Stick faction, which was like a rebellion against assimilation, kind of inspired by Tecumseh and some of those teachings. And, but they were fighting and they built like this breastwork that even Andrew Jackson said was like really impressed with or whatever, who cares? But they, were, they sh shot it for hours, but there was a chief named Manawa. He was a war chief and he was leading that. And, um, you know, there were Cherokee warriors that also fought against us and the government tied white tail deer tails in their hair so they could tell them apart from the creeks when uh -huh. they were fucking shooting us. And um, they, uh, there was a medicine man who I think had been going through it. I don't know. But he had claimed that he made medicine where we couldn't be hit by bullets. Huh. And he was talking in tongues and freaking out and convulsing and like as this battle was raging on, you know. And um, Manawa... They were getting overrun now, like the cannon had blasted the, the fence and like they were getting overrun and they were in hand-to-hand -hand combat, all kinds of stuff. They were just getting bombed. They were getting bombarded. They were way outnumbered. It was the largest loss of native life in any battle against the United States. It was 800 and, um, in a single battle. And um, at one point, Manawa turns to this medicine man who's convulsing and still telling them to keep fighting and whatever. And, he lifted his gun and he fucking shot him in the head, dropped him. And then he gathered the warriors and he was like, we're done. Like run, like, mm. you have to run. And so they all took, everyone like split and we're getting shot as they were crossing. They were swimming through a river to try to get to the other side. They were getting shot. The Cherokees had come up the back and hit the women and children at camp. And Manawa got shot something like eight times or something and like hit under a body and like came and then like, they left him, he was alive and he crawled out at, the, at night and like made his way out, got to a village, got, they, they nursed him back to health. And then he walked into Andrew Jackson's camp after that. And he was like, I'm going to give myself up because you've killed everyone I know. Mm. And they turned him away. They were like, that's a very brave man. And they turned him away. But it's like, that's a, yeah. 
You know what's wild about that? I was doing a project in Atlanta, and are you familiar with this saying? Uh, like, yeah, God willing, and the creek don't rise. God willing, yeah. and the creek don't yeah, rise. Yeah, it's a Muscogee Creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always I, thought it was the water. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I learned and, that when I went down there too. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. first time I heard it, you had told me this story before, and um, it, it kept popping up in different places, and people would say that as like a, a saying: "God right. willing, and the creek don't rise." Right. I probably heard it like ten times. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Before I like pulled one of the people who said it probably like five of the ten right. times, and was like do you know what that means? Right. You know? Right. And uh, they were like, yeah, well, there's a lot of waterways around here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Right. Right. <laughs> but also the people from around here right. were called, called creeks. creeks. Yeah. <laughs> and they what... rose. Right. Right. They fucked up a whole lot well, of things. Well, there was that. Uh, I, I might have told this before, but whenever we were down at Athens, Georgia, at the university, they were giving me a tour. And they were like, well, whenever we, the graduates come, they go into the football stadium and they're led by a man in a cloak with a sword and he leads them in. And he's like, you know why he does that? I was like, why? And he's like, well, when this was established, it was only open for two years and there was a creek uprising and they attacked them, the graduate, the, the school while they were graduating. And from that day forward, they are led in with, to this day, led in with a man with a sword. Yeah. So God willing. Yeah. And also the creek not rising. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, but yeah, shaman, that shaman thing's weird, man. I mean, like you see it a lot where like, and I guess I'm talking about our own people exploiting that right now. Yeah. Like this idea of calling yourself that or like saying that you're connected, even if they don't say the word shaman, you know, and sometimes people manipulate people in that way. And it's a very dark, that's one of the darker things that I could think of. I would definitely say so, but it's also entangled in the, um, the, our relationship to a country that only engages with us in very certain ways, right. you know, like, um, I think about that in, in response to like, even the mascot narrative, you know, right. like ma native people as mascots and all of that right. sort of stuff. Here's the thing with the umbrella is it creates a simplified version of complex societies, right? And the mascot narrative, you know, there's all this argument of it being in honor of us, but it right. reduces us to combatants, you know, right. where it's warriors, right. it's braves, right. it's like a very specific and limited narrative. Uh -huh. And that's also entangled in the English definitions. Of I mean, like terms. when you hear people, white people talk about that, even, even if it's in history, you're like, yeah, and a couple braves were there and they were, you know, it's like, it is battle. It's just that we're figures that fight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Chess pieces. And that's the reduction of entire yeah. complex societies with incredible fucking cosmic knowledge right. and uh, astronomy and medicine and all of these other components that we are like actually vastly more impressive right. than our warrior skills. Totally. And, and, but then we perpetuated ourselves, you know? Yeah, like, we had to. Like, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, and it's still perpetuated. Totally. I, I think that's what, you know, Dallas Goldtooth's character is in the show, which is like, kind of making fun of this idea of like you know we're warriors we're brave warriors but we also die and go for holes and, <laughs> you know, like. that was and that's one of my favorite uh aspects of it because even though his death was not the high honor through the definition of like a warrior he still came back and was the right. source of knowledge right. for uh, for somebody who was looking for right for direction right in their life you well, know? i was saying this in another interview but like you know, Crazy Horse woke up in the morning and yawned. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Like he woke up in the morning and he yawned. Totally. And was unsure about himself. Absolutely. And uh, probably had a crick in his neck at one point. 
right? You know, and, and uh, had to burp because he ate too fast one dude, time. Dude, that one you time know? he put his breech cloth on backwards. Right, right. And it felt you know? dumb and everyone laughed. And, totally. and then he made a joke about it. And yeah. he had to go and change. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, like, and then, you know, I mean, what about his buddy that, like, got <laughs> diarrhea one day? And yeah. the whole village knew. He's got to go deal with his diarrhea. Totally. Out at the diarrhea tree. Totally. You know, or, or... And, and, and nobody remembers the time that diarrhea guy is the one who pulled Crazy Horse from fucking getting shot. Right. Exactly. Saved him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally yeah. saved him yeah. that Saved one his time. life. <laughs> saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this, this is the development of more complex, more whole representation right. of, you know, that's, a, that's an individual right. in a community. Right. But that becomes the like umbrella surface narrative for all people right you know and you're like even your singular thing is not complex right. it's not developed right, right, well right. as a character native people in america and american history is a poorly developed character totally you know and i mean I'm like, i've thought of crazy horse as not human you know like my oh. idea of him always is just holier than this but then like as i get older and i meet amazing people in my life and i'm like oh Crazy Horse was just an amazing person. Yeah. And that's not just. That is, Crazy Horse was an amazing person. And people followed him. But he was also a person. Yeah. You know, and that's where we lose in history. Oh, yeah. Is the, the Dude, there was a faction who were trying to cancel Crazy Horse. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we don't, we don't dive into those conversations right. because the, the, the uh, perspective is limited. Right. You know? And... I'm like, he was oh, the first cancellation in our community. Uh, well, and a lot of those folks are relatives right. who've survived to right. present. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that, it's, it's such an interesting and nuanced story that has been underapplied. This is, this is what I enjoyed most about Reservation Dogs is that it did apply some humanity and scope and depth to these characters right you know what i'm saying and those characters they bridged a lot of american popular culture right you know and that is also a place that we don't get a whole lot of access to for sure at the same time that's the way it had to end that's why it had to end hmm. because reservation dogs also is not an umbrella right of our community right because tomorrow there's going to be some kid that writes a story that represents us in another way yeah with totally different characters and totally different things and sometimes you got to get out of the way for that stuff and even stuff that i'm developing even stuff that i'm developing with other artists that i know are going to be made soon well we also have to get away get out of the way of that yeah and before non-natives think that they've sunk their teeth into us and know exactly how we are because oh, yeah. the reservation dogs taught us yeah we got to show something else. Totally. You know? Totally. And so we have to get out of the way for that. Yeah. And God willing, the creek don't rise. You know? <laughs> God, willing. God willing, the creek will rise. <laughs> you like that? Call back. <laughs> I felt like that was a good way to end, but I think that the long con has been good. And actually, it's like satisfied the need that I have for podcasting. Mm. And I keep trying to do more and telling people I'm going to do more. But then I'm like, do I really want to do more? And I'm kind of satisfied with doing this. And I think that we could grow it. And we're talking about growing it in a way that's like bringing other artists into this conversation. Because let's face it, we're not an umbrella of no of anything either. And let's not even limit it to artists. Let's get some, let's get some scientists exactly. up in here. Exactly. Yeah. Doctors, yes. Some I'm, lawyers. Yes. You know, that would Maybe be. Maybe not lawyers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
but really charismatic lawyers. Maybe don't char- limit us. Maybe lawyers are like a draw on the side or something. Um, but yeah, like I think that we keep doing this. And draw it's contracts? This is our first one that we've done personally. Like it's, our, it's better to do this in person. So to the audience listening, if you are, um, we're going to try to do this in person more. And yeah. I think it's a better way of doing it. And between Tulsa and Santa Fe, I think we've got it covered as far as like Indian country for the first few years of doing this. We've got a lot of people to talk to, you know? Well, I'll also say because I had trouble finding the right therapist, this has this is mm. a, a, an anchor point. It is for me um, hashing out ideas uh, and not imposing them on my family. You know. Yeah, you know what's interesting though, we don't talk, sit and talk for over an hour usually with each other by ourselves no. as human beings, and it's a really good way to sit and talk and talk about this stuff oh my god we should do it old school and just brew up some real weak coffee next time right real weak coffee styrofoam cup <laughs> yeah start at start at 10 o'clock at night and get some folding chairs right <laughs> right pow wow edition i don't uh, put your name on the back of one of them right i don't know who knows we could get famous off this <laughs> <sighs> Well, it's Long been, as the creek don't rise. Maybe. It has been a total pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I loved doing this in person. Oh, for sure. It's always nice to, to sit down and hang out. It's also nice to um, be outside, not oh, be on a screen and have a conversation. So much better. And uh, I feel like the opportunity to have deeper dives, the invitation mm-hmm. of guests. Right. Um, that my, my non-production uh, uh, knowledge is like I want call-ins. I want. What's great though is like also, you're you happen to have a great human here that uh, does this as produces this stuff, which like, could you imagine if it were you and I just? No. We would have fucking gave up. We wouldn't Round have had one. microphones on. We wouldn't have turned a mic on. We wouldn't have done anything. So thank you, Ginger. It would be, be one side of the conversation right. the whole way. Right. <laughs> I know. I tried to record something at one point. Ginger got mad at me. <laughs> Because she had to edit a bunch. Oh, I know. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. It's funny because I never feel stress from Ginger ever, except for then. Oh, I, really? I was getting fast texts of like, hey, next time, uh, just do it like this. Oh, uh, that's like, so funny. <laughs> she was just critiquing me yesterday about how I stress her out right. uh, in, in a few moments. I'm like the only, there's me and one other person sometimes who gives her I think the that, same kind I of think stress. that like... I think that we should have like a yearly rundown where we bring you on to, you know, where we talk about the year. I could, it could be the roast. Right, right. Where I roast you. Right, right, exactly. The roundup. <laughs> oh my God. But we got to have you like in the uh, Howard Stern show style, where right. you're like in the glass production you're in a booth. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. It's my happy place. Right. I would be happy to do that. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure listening. So yeah. I'm excited to cool. This was awesome. Aho. Aho. Go Thank eat you all. Food. Go get an award. Yeah. Let's do it. Go get an award. Sterling. Go get an award. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pray for me, pray for me. Cool. Pray for me. Cool. 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 Born to lose, but I'm built to reclaim. Need you.
get some tan on everything. Yeah. Thank the creator for Hover. Hover. I'm smudging the dirt off my shoulder. Go. Indigenous bastards, we be the baddest ones with the status. Diamond like Dallas, I'm proud of me. Yeah. Ear on my hand, no sobriety. <laughs> Savage as fuck this society. <laughs> my neighbor, the only way. Only way. Last word to a jib way. Humble with a little bit of Kanye. What? Nietzsche about to go crazy. There's not enough money to make. Yeah. Give a young savage a break yeah. There's not enough food on my plate yeah. Give me a reason to pray Creator yeah. just let us go crazy yeah. I can remember my name yeah. God damn I'm a bit out of place yeah. I can remember my name yeah. The faces they all look the same yeah. I can remember my name yeah. I'm a savage from back in the day yeah. I can remember my name yeah. Fuck the fame, I be switching lanes Let me navigate, no compass We against the grain, we are not the same We ain't about to get lost in the jungle Uncomfortable, that's where I'm coming from. You're coming from the grind, and I'm coming from the struggle. We be on the next wave, yelling out cowbunga. Let us about to rock the world, let's rumble. Uh, we so many. Yeah. Bitch, I go score the create and go crazy. Head on my back, put that shit up in braids. Press an arcade, bitch, remember the name. Swimming through the cream of the crop. Mama, don't let me get lost. I'm finding my way through the sauce. Show me the road to the top. There's not enough money to make. Give a young savage a break. There's not enough food on my plate. Give me a to pray, creator yeah. just let us go crazy, yeah. I can remember my name, yeah. god damn I'm a bit out of place, yeah. I can remember my name, yeah. the faces they all look the same, yeah. I can remember my name, yeah. I'm a savage from back in the day, yeah. I can remember my name, yeah. thinking about my prayers last night, had me fighting in my sleep like Tyson and a Ringo, Ringo. talking in tongues when I speak that's my lingo, and I got eyes like an eagle, eagle. I'ma keep going, I'll never stop, I only go as far as my people,